If you're a farmer in New York State, join the New York State Grown and Certified program to let people know your food is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov. I'm Damon Bolte, host of The Speakeasy. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kathy Irway. Um, so we all know that uh, being a chef and being a fiction writer are both creative fields that one can be in. Um, however, over the last, I don't know, couple of years, maybe five years or so, I've noticed a growing sort of burgeoning uh, fusion of the two <laughs> Uh, professions, and uh, and that has manifested in several books that I've seen that are food uh, food focused fiction, so novels having to do with chefs, novels by chefs, um, and so forth. So uh, I actually um, there was a panel discussion about this at the Food Book Fair last year, where we had a few authors t- speak, and um, just as expected, there's been more and more books coming out in this sort of food fiction genre. So I'm really excited to welcome one such author. Her name is Louise Miller. She is the author of the debut novel, The City Baker's Guide to Country Living. And she's on the line. How are you, Louise? Hi, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much for joining. And uh, you're in Boston, right? Is that where we're I am, yeah. talking to you from? Excellent. Um, okay, so Louise, this is uh, you're a, you're a pastry chef, and your novel has a main character who is a pastry chef, Olivia Rawlings. Okay, was there was it you know how did you come across writing about this? Actually, tell us a little bit about yourself and when when you got the idea to to write a novel because you've been baking, you've been you know working in kitchens. Um, when, when yeah, I've been baking for a long time. Mm-hmm. Been baking for over twenty-two years. Wow! Um, but I think the entire time that I've been baking, I've kind of fantasized about writing. <laughs> um, I've I've <laughs> a long time to think about something. Uh-huh. Um, but I um, let it simmer. Yeah, yeah I've just I always yeah I've always been an avid reader, and um, yeah, I just I had left art school kind of with the intention to start writing and got waylaid by life um, and never, well, it seemed like the longer I kept away from it, the bigger it got mm-hmm. well, uh, you in know, my head. Well, you know, being a chef, you know, that's some oh. busy, busy thing. You know, you're you're working, you know, in kitchens in Boston, and uh, it's a demanding lifestyle, isn't it? It's, it's a very good. demanding lifestyle. It's very yeah. time-consuming. Physically, um, too. But the, yeah, yeah, physically very, mm-hmm. yeah, it really is. It really is demanding. Um but so the idea from the book came, I kind of, I really did mull the story over for about 10 years. Um, <laughs> wow. But it came from a couple of things. There was a, um, whenever I make baked Alaska at my job, which I do do on occasion, the, the chefs in the kitchen always make fun of me and they always threaten to send me out into the crowd to carry it around. Oh my gosh. Which is a tradition. Wait, can we and, talk, um, can we describe a little bit um, for anyone who doesn't know what a baked Alaska is? Because I know it's a very elaborate, hard to make dessert, right? 
So well, it's funny, you know. It's actually it's so deceptive because it's oh. really simple. Okay, it's all it is is okay. a um, it's a Genoise sponge cake layered with ice cream, and then it's just covered in meringue. Yeah, and then it's covered. It's doused in. You know, usually, I can't remember the name of it, it's 150 proof rum, um, and then lit on fire. (laughs) So so one of the times when the chefs were kind of making fun of me and threatening to send me out into the the function to parade around, Mm -hmm. all I could think was, I'm really clumsy, and what would happen if I dropped it? Um, Mm -hmm. And so that idea was mulling around in my head, and then um, the other like element to the story was years and years ago, like maybe 15 years ago, I had entered into my local um, county fair apple pie baking contest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just, I did it on kind of a lark and I dropped the pie off and I went and enjoyed the fair. And then when I came back, um, they just said to come back around seven and they would announce the winners. And when I came back at seven, there was like maybe a hundred bakers um, all in front of the kitchen was in like an arts and crafts house, like mm-hmm. like a Grange Hall, and there's a big glass window um, that separated the kitchen from the rest of the room, and it was just a hundred bakers kind of silently watching three judges eat pie, and um, so the judging had gone really late, and um, there ended up being like a record number of pies that year, Uh-oh. and so I just have so I carried this image around in my head for years of like what was at stake for all these people and why was it so competitive and, you know, and just, yeah, yeah, just kept intense. ruminating. <laughs> so that, um, yeah, just the, so, oh, sorry. Oh, just no, the idea ahead. of like what weight that could have in the community. Mm. Um, so those two things came together and started the novel. Ah, cool. So kind of building around this, you know, what if, what kind of drama is going on here and taking that in as your, I guess the main drama of the story um, and going from there. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, this is so cool. So you, you know, you you decided to write this novel, I guess, a long time ago, but uh, it came out. You're now 45. So, um, first of all, congratulations. But um, oh, so, you. is this a career change for you, or do you think that this will be? Um, I, I don't know. Where do you hope to go with with uh, food writing, or? Yeah, I'm I'm so curious myself. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Um, I definitely, um, yeah, it took me, I didn't start, this is actually the first novel that I've ever written, and it's, um, I started when I was 38, so it's definitely kind of a, I'm a late bloomer in that department. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know, I'm the kind of person, I really marvel at my writing friends that have desk jobs, because Mm. I just can't imagine being, sitting and being in front of a computer all day, and then coming home and sitting in front of my computer. So I feel like, I was asked recently, you know, if I had to choose one, you know, what baking or writing, what would I do? And I think the two work so well together for me. Um, It's, the writing is a wonderful counterpoint to the the physical work I do, baking. But I also... um, I've kind of, especially when I was revising for my editor and under a deadline, I kind of created this process where I I usually work around 6 till 2 in the afternoon, and then I write after that at the library around the corner from my work. And so what I do at the end of my writing session is I leave myself a list of questions to mull over the next day at work. Okay. Because I spend a a lot of time, you know, 
chopping flats of strawberries mm-hmm. or, you know, chopping and peeling, you know, 20 pounds of apples. So I have a lot of time to think. And so baking's kind of become part of my process. So when I actually sit down to write, I'm really ready to write. I don't have to spend a lot of time. I think that's a great tip for anyone who's trying to do something maybe on the side or or change careers, kind of late bloomer-ish. But yeah, it's so funny. We were just talking with, uh, you know, last week with our last guest, uh, Diana Henry, about, you know, needing to have this balance of doing things like really just kind of Mm -hmm. zenning out and doing something physical and focusing on like the sensations of chopping something instead Mm -hmm. of, you know, in addition to sort of being in your head or being at a desk and writing or something like that. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah, I find that so important. It's, it's, I can't imagine one without the other. I think I would end up, you know, like walking 40 miles a week or something (laughs) trying to think of things. Yeah, it's that thing of like people talk about ideas coming to them in the shower, ideas coming to them when they're driving. That's definitely how it is for me in the kitchen. Um, And it also had this like wonderful side effect of, it, uh, writing about baking made me so much more mindful in my job. Mm. Um, so I, I came to like really enjoy my work at yeah. a whole like deeper level um, because I was just paying a lot closer attention. That's um, so, yeah, just it made work fresher for me, which was great. That's awesome. Um, do you think that cooking something that is just brilliant and creative and hard, maybe difficult? What's what's harder or what's more satisfying, cooking something or trying to write about that dish or that food? Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're so different. I find writing about food a million times harder than cooking. <laughs> um, and I think, too, cooking is so satisfying because, you know, you start off you with raw ingredients yeah. and within a couple hours you're handing it to someone and you're getting a response. Or eating it. Um or eating it, yeah, and, and yeah, reading it yourself. You can't eat your writing, and, uh, you unfortunately. Know, writing it was like seven years later. Um, oh, so yeah. definitely different process. Um, it's so, so fun. They're really different. They feel like really different parts of my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, um, I guess, the characters that you that you, you know. It starts off with uh, Olivia, as you mentioned. She also enters a pie contest, and mm-hmm. uh, I have been to many. Uh, you know, amateur cook-off or pie contest. And I know that these things can get really, uh, you know, high tensions, high drama, high stakes <laughs> pretty quickly. So um, what, okay, so how did she do in this pie contest? Let's talk about it. So. Oh, like, gosh. In the in the book, it's, um, I don't want to give too much away. Oh, okay. It's kind of the climax at the end. Yeah. Um, but, but she's really, she's got, she's gotten you know, taken into this world by the, she takes a job at a small inn mm-hmm. in northern Vermont where her best friend lives. Um, and she's really been hired for ulterior motives. She thinks she's taking on a very kind of quaint, simple job. Um, and really, the innkeeper whose family has won the contest for generations has started losing for the last three years. And so she's been hired to kind of get the innkeeper back on top. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't know that for a little while into the book, and then she doesn't know the reasons why the woman's losing until the end. Mm. Um, I love, I just love the, how that like sort of takes you really um, back into, I don't know if anyone's been to like a state fair, county fair, um, just, just like the fun nostalgia of, you know, the, the fr- fried dough all around here and the cider donuts. And it was a, 
you know, the mm-hmm. Ferris wheel and so forth. Um, you know, it, it was just a really fun kind of read to go to get transported back into a somewhat familiar place. So it uh, oh, was a fun so scene. Um, we're going to cut to a quick little inter- uh, commercial interlude and we'll be right back chatting more with the Eloise. State cares about New York's farmers. That's why we've developed the New York State Grown and Certified Program. It's a seal New Yorkers can look for when they're shopping for food that comes from local farms. Customers are more likely to buy food that has the New York State Grown and Certified seal because it tells them that it comes from a farm that follows environmentally responsible, farm-safe protocols. In other words, the New York State Grown and Certified seal tells them their food is grown right, right here in New York State. You're a farmer with a lot to do, but the time it takes to sign up for the program is a great investment for your business because it lets shoppers know that your food meets higher standards, has passed assessments, and is produced by environmentally friendly farming practices. To learn about participating in the program, go to certified.ny.gov. We are listening to Your Words, and we're talking with Louise Miller, the author of The City Baker's Guide to Country Country Living. It's a novel just out from Viking Penguin. So, Louise, thanks for joining us. You still there? Yes. yes. Awesome. Um, So I have to ask this to all my food writing uh, novelists. Uh, What are you mentioned that you're a big reader. So do you have any sort of um, idols that you look up to anyone who sort of inspired your work? Oh, wow, that's a wonderful question. I'm trying to think food writing. Well, I'm a huge fan of, of J. Ryan Straddle's book, Kitchen to the Great Midwest. I see that he has oh, a nice blurb, oh, yeah. Wonderful read. Yeah, I got to listen to his interview. I absolutely loved it. Oh, yeah, um, he was wonderful. And yeah. I love all of Ruth Reichel's memoirs. She has just, like, a wonderful, evocative way about writing about food. Um, last year, one of my um, favorite reads of last year was a book called The Arrangement, which was a oh, novelization about MFK Fisher. Yes, we had um, her on the show that as was, well. That, yeah. that was a fascinating, fascinating novel. That was that um, was a really good one. Yeah. Um, so cool. Okay, so so we're we're sort of looking into this kind of newer books and the newer genre of food books. Um, is that mostly what you read or do you kind of like go out there and like read some, I don't know, other like romance and other stuff to kind of pepper your work with? Yeah, I definitely, I read pretty widely and Mm -hmm. I tend to avoid um, stuff that's too much like what I'm trying to do just because I'm very susceptible to getting people's (laughs) rhythms in my head. Uh Um, Yeah. I wonder if that's a good thing or bad. I'm sorry. I was just wondering if that would be a good thing or distracting thing or who knows what. So it's funny. I was yeah. just reading an interview with I think Sadie Smith, who was talking about how she actually consciously uses that to kind of, you know, if she's writing in one kind of way. She'll read something else, right? To help, yeah, uh, switch things up. I haven't tried that. I've always been a little afraid. Like I'm the kind of person that can like pick an accent up really fast. Mm. <laughs> so. Um, I tend to avoid it. Um, so yeah, I try to. I'll, I'll read anything that grabs my attention. Mm-hmm. I just read uh, Commonwealth by Ann Patchett that I just adored. I'm a huge fan of hers. Okay. Um, 
And I think Maria Semple's new one is up next. Uh-huh. Cool. So was there... Um, but I also... It's funny. I also I don't really watch food TV except for Great British Bake Off, which I adore. Um, but I tend not to come home. Yeah. I always wonder if doctors watch, like, Grey's Anatomy or anything. Um, but it's, That's a good uh, question. You know, I think people get so mad when people get it wrong, you know? So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you need to step away also and kind of like mix it up and then to do your best sometimes. Yeah. Um, so was it was it hard to write about a character who has a similar career path to you? So, you know, Olivia is also a pastry chef. Um, was this sort of like a, a larger than life version of yourself? She, you know, she's so like the the logistics of our lives in terms of like we both. I think the two things we have in common is we're both pastry chefs and we both have, were raised by single fathers. So those were the two uh-huh. reality pieces. But she's so different than me. It's, um, I think, you know, it's, there's obviously little bits of me in there, but um, there's definitely bits of me in all the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it was really, um, it was kind of wonderful, I think, to write about. Uh, something I'm so familiar with because I had never written a novel before. And I just, I admire people that write historical or they write stuff that's so outside of their reality. But especially for that first book where Mm -hmm. I was just trying to figure out how a novel works, I really loved getting to kind of lean on the details, the daily details that I love. And I think a big part of wanting to write, I actually set out to really write a book that took place in a kitchen, and this book barely takes place in a kitchen. Ah. But um, but there's so much about working in a kitchen that I find funny and enjoyable and, mm. and just kind of great. It's 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 a, a world that I really love. So um, so it was fun to kind of go into it and to go a little deeper. Was this sort of like a vicarious travels for you as well? Because um, your character, Bolivia, uh, moves to this idyllic town in Vermont, leaving the city. And uh, that does sound like a, a common sort of dream for many city dwellers. Is that something that... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. was definitely my, like, total Vermont fantasy, <laughs> where I, uh, my, my one of my dearest, oldest friends does live in northern Vermont, and I've spent a lot there of time up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and since my 20s... When she moved up there, um, since my 20s, I just always had that question, could I do it? And I grew up, I'm a total city kid. I think the furthest out of the city I've lived is 10 miles. And, um, and we, you know, and on vacation, we go to New Hampshire, but it was, like, to, like, very honky-tonk, like, arcade and water park, New Hampshire. Mm. So, so I had never spent any time really in nature or in a rural area, and I just fell hard. Um <laughs> But I've just, so anyway, I've always just wrestled with that question. I, I feel like I'll go to my grave wondering if I could actually, like, live in a rural area. Yeah. Um, but I live I lived such a kind of a happy city life, too, where I go to tons of plays and we eat out at restaurants from, you know, different cultures every night. And, you know, it's just like, it's, it's hard to imagine giving all that up. Yeah. So in my perfect world, I would just be independently wealthy and get to do both. Or create a character and write a novel about it. And so you can sort of vicariously have, you know, both yeah. sides. The grass yeah, is always was, greener anyway. a wonderful, anyway. <laughs> kind of wonderful refuge like mm-hmm. to, to go to Guthrie, um, the town that I made up. It was really, yeah, it was just a wonderful <laughs> escape. Um, well, it's a wonderful escape to, to read as well. So 
Thanks for letting us join in on this fantasy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm glad. um, We have not too much time left, but I do want to ask about the... um, You received a scholarship for this uh, novel, and uh, it was Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program, a year-long workshop for novelists. I didn't know about this. Tell us about it. It's wonderful. So uh, Grub Street is an independent writing center in Boston, and they've just been... um, so uh, such a critical part of my becoming a That's writer because really cool. um, you know Boston is you know it's a heart of academia but I didn't I dropped mm-hmm. out of art school and never went back to college so you know getting an MFA was off the table because I don't have an undergrad degree yet mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it's a place where anyone can go regardless of their background and really study craft. Mm. Um, and so they developed, I was in the third year of the program, and I think it's in its fifth or sixth year now, um, a year-long like workshop where you meet every week for novelists who have a draft of their novel. And so it's 10 writers, okay. and um, we all read each other's entire books twice, so at the beginning and at the end, and we wow. do a lot of revision in between. Um, so it was an incredible experience. Wow. It really, it really taught me how to work, and it really taught me how to revise. And yeah, so you'd recommend amazing. it. That's really cool that it's also a year long too. So it's like it really gives you that time to to actually you know meditate on it and let it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you really dig in. And we were studying, like, all the craft elements at the same time and, and really breaking our books apart. And it was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just night and day um, how I approach writing before and after. Nice. Well, congrats from the, um, from the aftermath of that. And uh, what, do you think, um, what do you think is next? Do you think you'll continue? Are you working on another novel, perhaps, or...? Will we continue I am. the journey? I'm working on uh-huh. a second book. Um, it takes place in the same fictional town, but so far none of the same characters have shown up. Oh. Um, and only one similar, lo- it's the same location has showed up. So okay, far. so not a sequel, um, but kind of continuing in this town. The scene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt really good to go back to the town. Wow, congratulations. I, I want to read this one soon, so I hope it doesn't take. 12 years again. <laughs> just kidding. You, I'm on deadline, unfortunately, okay. for this oh, one. Oh, wonderful. and unfortunately. So, um, That's great. Yeah, no, no. I, so soon, sooner than that. Oh, congratulations. That is really exciting. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's about all the time we have. But thank you so much, Louise, for chatting with us. And I uh, hope everyone checks out The City Baker's Guide to Country Living Soon. Great. Thank you so much, Kathy. Awesome. And you can follow Louise at Louise the Baker on Twitter or on Facebook and on Instagram. And, uh, okay, we'll chat next week on Eat Your Words. Thanks, everyone, at Heritage Radio. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.